Welcome to our Sober Sassy Life. My name is Jackie Elliott and I want to uh, welcome you today. Um, today I'm going to be talking about 1000 Days of Sobriety and some of you may have seen my Facebook Live earlier uh, today and um, my intention was to record that live uh, and then post a video onto YouTube and um, the audio on my podcast. But the miracles of modern technology uh, only work if you press the right buttons, and I didn't. So this is a uh, recording um, which is covering exactly the same ground, but my apologies if you've watched a live and you're listening to the podcast and you're thinking that doesn't sound the same. So um, again, just a blip in technology. Second thing I want to say at the outset is that I am on the tail end of flu. So that's why I have this raspy sounding voice and why occasionally I'm going to cough and there isn't much I can do about it. But I do apologize uh, right from the start. So a thousand days of sobriety, um, a significant milestone, even for me, who stopped really counting days uh, a long time ago. And these milestones are uh, important, first of all, because it gives me a chance to take stock of um, where I am now, uh, where I've been, one what I've learned, and also allows me to share what I've learned with uh, you guys if you maybe are not quite so far along in the journey. So um, welcome to today, and um, we're going to go through literally not everything that I've learned, but some of the major things that I think would be important for you guys to keep in mind. So, stuff I learned along the way, just to summarize here. First of all, the journey doesn't start at day one. <coughs> Excuse me. Secondly, the hardest lesson that I've learned, and I think the hardest lessons that we all learn, is that of honesty. And the second hardest lesson is that nothing happens without us taking action, and the action has to be consistent. And the last one, which was, I suppose, my most recent aha light bulb moment, is that sobriety has nothing to do with recovery. And I'm going to drop a link to um, an excellent blog post written by my good friend Laura Ward of Quit Whining, who really articulated that last point um, in a superb way. And I'm going to talk about it uh at the end of at the end of this video and of this podcast so the journey doesn't start at day one um i have when when people reach out to me it's usually because uh they're struggling and they feel like they're going back to square one is that they've strung together a few days of sobriety maybe a few weeks maybe even months and then suddenly they uh run into a bit of a roadblock and they have a drink and they feel like they've gone back to day one. They're starting over. And what I really want to uh, convey to you is, is that um, my journey didn't start up day one without any booze. My journey has been a lot longer than a thousand days. And my journey really started off way back 
three or maybe four years before I finally put down the bottle for the last time. Um, and it was really when I first guess I had the little inkling at the, you know, little voice telling me that maybe all that was was not well. Things weren't going the way that I thought they were they should be going. I wasn't happy. I had I was my anxiety was increasing. Um, I wasn't confident. I had quite low self-esteem. And this little bell was going off. It's like, well, this isn't something that's happening to you. Maybe that's something that you're doing to yourself. And I started linking all the things that I, I wasn't happy about to the fact that I was drinking. Now, um, that I'd, I'd all, always was a kind of little worried about how much I was drinking, but I had always taken on the um, myth, if you like, that alcohol was just an essential part of life and everybody drank. It wasn't a big problem. It, it was normal. Everybody did it. I was just normal. I drank wine. Wine was what I did. And, um, and that was it. And people associated wine with me. If you talk to any of the people that I was socializing with uh, back in, in those days, it was, they would tell you that it would be really unusual to see me without a glass of wine in my hand. And they didn't think anything of that. But gradually, uh, things started to happen. First of all, my health deteriorated. Uh, it really did. I was getting blackouts. Um, I was feeling um, nauseous most of the time. I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning feeling uh, dehydrated and hungover, as you know you would assume. Um, and I was frightened because I was getting weird uh, pains and I was literally lying awake worrying that I was on my road to a, a stroke. Uh, and I knew then that I had to look after my health and however much I tried to convince myself that I could do that without quitting drinking, it became obvious that uh, quitting drinking was one of the main things that I needed to do in order to improve my health and I suspected to actually uh, improve the other parts of my life which were suffering at the time. Now, um, my other, the other thing that was happening is that my behaviour was getting more and more erratic. Um, I was uh, low one day, I was high the next. Um, my moods, I had mood swings, uh, I was grumpy and irritated or I was really excited. And people getting tired, tired of actually dealing with me, tired of dealing with the stuff that I was posting on social media, which I didn't remember the next day. And really everything about my life, I just felt that I was clinging on to it, keeping it together with my, my fingertips. So the, the journey really started when I started to acknowledge that and to figure out that maybe it was my drinking. Now, it took me about three years of uh, trying to moderate because um, I thought that I could do that, uh, realizing that I couldn't, realizing that the rules that I had imposed on myself uh, to not drink, like um, not drinking during the week or um, only drinking a couple of glasses of wine at a time, all of those rules which I was constantly imposing and drinking, the huge stress 
the huge amount of energy that I was having to put out to try and, you know, keep to those rules and failing on a constant basis um, was really meaning that moderation was not in my world, that I couldn't reset my relationship with, with booze, that um, I was one of those people that it was like an all or nothing thing. And that journey, that realization took me, as I say, about three years before I finally put the bottle down. It took a long time to get to that point. Um, and people ask me, well, what, what was it? Was it must have been, you know, a, um, an incredible, significant happening that made you put the bottle down? And it wasn't. I don't have a dead in the ditch, you know, dead drunk in the ditch on a dark night kind of story. I don't have a DUI. I don't have a divorce. I don't have a uh, what people would consider a rock bottom moment. What I had was a day when I was watching somebody else who was very, very drunk. And although I was watching somebody else, in my mind, I was watching me and I was watching some uh, behavior which was embarrassing. I was I could was predicting that this lady that I was watching was going to feel terrible the next day. And I was acknowledging that I by watching her, that I was actually watching my life play out again and again. And I just didn't want that for me anymore. And it was literally that. And I want to point out to each and every one of you that you do not have to wait for a rock bottom moment. It is an absolute myth that um, you can only um, you can only improve if you have a rock bottom moment. There are no high bottoms. There are no rock bottoms. There are literally you deciding that the way your life is going is not what you want and then deciding to do something about it. It is that you do not have to wait for external forces to force you into making changes. So that once I had embarked on this journey and I didn't even know then that that day one was my day one, the um, hardest lesson throughout this thousand days is one of honesty. So one of my favorite quotes, which you've heard me say before if you've followed me, is the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. And that's by Gloria Steinem. And she's absolutely right because along the way you learn some or I learned some not particularly pleasant truths about myself and also about the fact that I was you know the lone instigator of things that went wrong in my life. So often we attribute what's happening in our life to external circumstances. We are um or, you know we we are things randomly happen to us and that's you know the reason why our life is the way that it is and the lesson that I learned was being honest with myself that just about most of the things that are happening to me in my life were because of the way that I uh, was acting or not acting and even when external things happen to me you know I still had the power to react in the way uh, in a different way. And I wasn't even doing that. And I was really mired in my victimhood of, you know, poor me. And as I went along, uh, even the 
idea that I couldn't drink. It was like, poor me. Oh dear, you know, this terrible thing has happened to me um, and now I can't drink anymore. Um, and it really took a good, honest look at myself and what was happening and turning that mindset around. And this is difficult and it's not pleasant to look at yourself in the mirror and acknowledge the flaws for what they are. And that has nothing to do, by the way, uh, with self-esteem and it has nothing to do with self-love and it has nothing to do with self-care. It is uh, being honest with yourself is um, the ultimate form of self-care because you cannot care for yourself unless you are um, being honest with yourself. Which brings me to the next quote, which is uh, one that I've recently heard, is that truth is always kind. And even though it feels unkind, it is always kind because it is reaching to the core of what you have to deal with. And ultimately, the truth was that I shouldn't be drinking and that I shouldn't I should be dealing with all the flaws in my life and dealing with myself. And that was a that was the biggest kindness that I did myself was to actually acknowledge truth. Now, it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress, I can tell you, because I still have days where it's like, oh, gee, poor me, you know, things aren't going well. And it takes a, a, an almighty effort sometimes to go, yeah, no, um, come on, you know, you have a day like any other and what you do with it uh, is, is, in your, is in my hands. And also the power of what I think is with me. No one is making me think anything. And really, uh, the power of our truth is actually in, in what we think. And we can control that. So the other hard lesson, uh, which everybody has to learn, is that uh, you can't make any changes in your life without taking action, significant action, because you cannot manifest sobriety. It isn't just something that you are ready for. I mean, people say, oh, well, you'll change when you're ready. You'll quit when you're ready. You'll do this or that when you're ready. Well, you know, the days when you are ready are as rare as unicorn sightings. You don't do things when you're ready. You're ready now and you take action now. There's nothing preventing you. Ready is just one of these mythical concepts that we've constructed ourselves to give, a, you know, to put a barrier in our way and allow ourselves not to think about anything. Action is uncomfortable. It is. All of the actions that you take are uncomfortable. This means changing your life. This means getting off the couch. This means planning that to make sure that you uh, have non-alcoholic beverages. This means changing your schedule. This means doing things. This means maybe not associating with the same people. This is changing and doing things which are unfamiliar to you. And it has to be done on a consistent basis and it's not gonna feel great. It really isn't. But unless you take action, nothing is gonna happen. All the strategies in the world, all of the sober toolboxes in the world, all of the meditation and the baths and the early nights and the reading and listening to podcasts and gardening and the exercise and everything else that we talk about, none of these are going to work if you don't do them. You know, most of the time when people are saying, oh, I need help, 
is that you don't need information from me. You need to do. You need to do things. You need to try strategies. Some of these days where people say, well, I had a craving, I go, well, okay. So what did you do to combat that craving? What strategy did you use? And why do you think it didn't work? And so many times people say, well, you know, the craving just came over me and that's it. I just, I just drank. So my answer was, so you didn't use any strategies. You didn't try to go for a walk. You didn't try to distract yourself. You didn't try to do anything. And it's just like, hmm, okay, well, if you don't use any strategies, then it's not really that surprising that they don't work. And I know this is people are going to go, oh, well, you're being kind of mean. It's all right for you to say you've got a thousand days under your belt. Well, I hadn't, I haven't always had a thousand days under my belt. I had a day one and a day two and a day three and a day four as well. And I had cravings too, because none of us are special. We all have cravings and they're unpleasant for everybody. And my cravings aren't different to anybody else's. The thing that made me able to get through them is not some magical um, attitude or some help from, you know, from anybody else or the fact that my willpower is any stronger than, than anybody else's. It's because I realized that action was what I needed to do. And here's an interesting thing about actions. What you are most resistant to is usually what you should be doing. So if I'm giving you a suggestion, which is like pour all of your booze away and do not have any alcohol in your house because that would mean that temptation is gone. If you were sitting there thinking, hmm, well, I'm not going to do that because, you know, it's expensive and, 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 you know, that's stupid and I should be able to, it should be able to have booze in my house and I don't want to disrupt anybody else's life. And it's like, I wanted to take a step back and think about that because why are you resistant to it? And, you know, people go, well, because my husband or because, you know, my son drinks and whatever. It's like, yeah, have a conversation with them. Tell them that you're struggling and you need the boots to go or at least move it out into the garage, into the man fridge out there. If you are resisting a strategy, if you are resisting a strategy, then it goes back to being honest with yourself. What is it about that strategy that you are pushing back against? And usually if we're honest, is because we're worried that, you know, if it really all does go south and it really, really is very uncomfortable, you know, sitting through these cravings, then you can have a drink. So, you know, as I say, this might not sound very nice and I can hear all kinds of people arguing with me about, you know, how mean that is, but it goes back to the first thing I learned, which is being honest with yourself. And, you know, you can you can give me and everybody else in your life a whole bunch of reasons why strategies didn't work. But being honest with yourself about why they didn't work is really um, is really the most um, powerful thing that you can do. I once had a lady say to me, you know what? I, I just I had decided I was going to have a drink tonight. And there wasn't anything that anyone could do to convince me otherwise. Well, it's not our job to convince you otherwise. It's your job to convince yourself otherwise. It's your job to control what you're thinking. 
It's your job to use a strategy. It's your job to look in the mirror and decide whether you um, want to wake up the next morning with a hangover or not. Um, and learning that it's the power is internal and not external is one of the biggest lessons and the hardest lessons that you are going to learn. Lastly, um, I want to talk about sobriety having nothing to do with recovery. And if you've listened to my podcast before or you've read my blogs, you will know that I am not a big fan of the word recovery because I do believe that there is a time when you should be recovered. And it was a big light bulb moment to me when I realized that sobriety and recovery were two different things that quitting drinking um, was only the first part and that quitting drinking wasn't going to fix everything. And if I wanted to carry on not drinking, there was a lot of work that I still had to do. And that was my recovery process. Now, as I said, Laura Ward of Quit Whining has talked about in her blog about believing, first of all, that sobriety was suddenly this magic wand that was going to make everything else better. And what she found that when she quit drinking was life was exactly the same, but without the booze. And I think this is the big, <coughs> excuse me, this is the big, the other big lesson that I've learned is that, you know, I just didn't want a life with that was exactly the same, minus the booze, I wanted my life to be different. So I had to confront that. And it was interesting because looking back, when the heart and the head fight is usually the liver that suffers, right? It's usually, uh, we usually look for a way to numb that disconnect between what's going on in our head and where our heart is really pulling us and that can lead to <coughs> excuse me or you know addiction overeating any kind of um unhealthy behavior uh before we we realize that the only way that we can fix this is to actually align up our heart and our head and the only things that the only person, the only power that can do that is within ourselves. If it is to be, it is up to me. And when I started to, um, when I, I, I quit drinking and I was looking, oh, all the stuff that was wrong, you know, the, the reasons that I was still in debt, the reasons that, you know, relationships were great, but not really as good as they could be and my role in that, um, where I wanted to be with my career, how I thought of myself as a person, you know, what I thought I was going to do with the rest of my life and how I wanted to live my life, I had to, first of all, be accountable to myself. And secondly, I had to live in integrity, which means living in alignment with what you believe and all of your values. And that, when I started to do that, that was the time when I actually started the recovery process. Uh, and this was... Um, different from the sobriety process, although in lots of respects, they were happening at the same time. So that's what I've learned over the, the first thousand days 
But the other thing is, I know that as the next thousand days come along, I'm going to learn a whole bunch more about myself and a whole bunch more about, you know, embracing sobriety and also embracing the life that I want to live. Um, and I do hope that you will continue uh, on this journey with me. And I hope that stuff that I've said has helped. Um, I hope that you can pull out bits of it that apply to you. Not all of it applies. We all have a unique journey, but all of the journeys are going in the same direction. I think that's, so we have lots and lots in common. And I think um, one of the other things that I've learned is one of the most rewarding parts of this journey is the ability to share it with other people and um, help them even in some small way, even if it's just to be here and go, hey, I know what it feels like. So thank you for watching this video, if you're watching. Thank you for listening to the podcast, if you're listening to the podcast. If you would like to go onto my website, you will find um, many uh, resources which are free, which you are, are welcome to download. And if you are feeling that you'd like you know, a hug from a, a, a community, then we would love to have you in Sage, Sassy and Sober. There is, a, the, my membership group um, is a group of amazing women who are amazingly supportive of each other, who are um, learning these lessons as they go along and are generous um, by sharing them with each other and holding each other up. So uh, you are so welcome to check it out. It's Sage, Sassy and Sober. It's $10 a month, which is amazing value, or $100 a year, which is even better value. Uh, you get your own secret Facebook group, um, which is absolutely private. No one can see that you're there. You get extra material, you get me, and you get your very own um, online magazine, which you have every month. So we would love to have you there. So thanks again for listening and watching, and I will talk to you again in the very near future. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.